Good morning, Bay Area Church. It is another beautiful Sunday morning here in Mango, Florida. Good morning to everybody out there on the World Wide Web. We're going to be starting our worship here at Bay Area this morning. Um, before we kick things off, we've got some announcements we're going to go through real quick. Um, so thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, as we get started, please take a minute and just click on share. Um, it's, it's literally the simplest thing that you can do to help share what happens here this morning with all your friends on Facebook. You might be surprised who uh, might chime in and, and follow along with us for a while. So please click share um, and also if there are any announcements that I'm missing on this, feel free to share those in the comments as well so that we can all be keeping up with each other during this time. Um, first and foremost, there's a, a, some people we need to continue to be praying for. Um, our brother David Harkins, there's no new information there, but uh, we know that he's still struggling with some health issues, so continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, there's a number, really, of this congregation who have asked for prayers. Uh, the list is uh, a little too long to, to kind of dive into this morning, but please be visiting Vital Concern. Uh, you can get an updated list uh, of everyone who's asked for prayers and all the situations that are going on there, and we really encourage you, go to Vital Concern and follow along to keep your prayer list updated. Um, we also want to specifically mention uh, Zoe Lambrick's brother Tom, Lenora's son Clifford, who we've been praying for, uh, Debbie Shiraz, and Allison Casabon's father, uh, also Rodalyn's parents, are just a few that we've had on our list for a long time here and want to continue to, to keep in our prayers and, and keep at the top of our list in our minds. Um, we've got some great news this morning. The, uh, the Bay Area family is, is growing. Um, Andres Avery Payne was born on August 17th to Richard and Leanne and uh, his big brother Liam. So congratulations to the Payne family. Uh, we can't wait to have us uh, at a time in the future when we're all back together and we can all celebrate in the birth of your son. Uh, and the, the body also has gotten another uh, growth in this week. We've got uh, Jaden Yarborough, the son of Charlene Bridgewater, was baptized by Robbie John last week. Um, he is now on his way to attending Palm Beach Atlantic uh, off to school. So we'll be praying for him as he starts his new life and, and goes off to, uh, to continue his education. So we want to continue to pray for Jaden as he's taking Christ on in baptism. This Saturday, August 29th at 7.30 p.m. was set to be the Mount Dora Christian Home Bible Dinner, uh, annual dinner that we always have and celebrate here. That, um, for obvious reasons, is not going to be taking place this year. Um, so be sure to log into their website, um, which we can get from the office, or you can go to www.mdc, as in Mount Dora Christian, mdchome.org, and click the Benefit Dinner link. And that way you can log in and watch the presentation that we see every year um, to learn a little bit more about what's going on there and, and uh, what their needs are and why we do so much work to try to support what they're doing. Bay Area has always shown up in a big way for that dinner, so I hope that we'll still be able to support them during this time in a, uh, in a digital way to, to give them some support and, and if you're able to, to support them financially and what they're continuing to do and the work that they're doing. Some other reminders we've got uh, for the youth group, Bible classes at 12, uh, just after worship, so grab some lunch, then jump on your devices, uh, and you'll be Zooming with Robbie. Also at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights, uh, the youth group's getting together, they're sharing a lesson, they're all growing together spiritually. If you're not taking part in that, you ought to be, and so uh, please, please do take advantage of that. Uh, the youth group is looking forward to SunQuest Local, which is coming up now. It's going to be the week of September 4th through the 6th. 
There are all sorts of exciting events that are virtually planned, and Robbie is very busy putting the final Bay Area schedule events together. Uh, be stay, uh, stay tuned on the, the Facebook page, on the church website. Uh, reach out to Robbie. Once again, thank you, Robbie, for putting together the school supply drive also last week. We were able to get a, a really tremendous outpouring of support for the two schools that we were working for. And I know that uh, our sister Charlene and our brother Rennell have both reached out thanking us for really helping support the work that they're doing at their schools and, and to help their students for what is gonna be a trying year on, on a lot of different levels. Uh, it's hard enough to go back to school, but to go back to school in these conditions is, is also a challenge. So thank you, Robbie, for putting that together as well. Um, it was so great for those who were able to come out to that drive uh, to spend some time socially distant, but getting together. And, and we hope that we'll continue to be able to do some of these events and that uh, more of you will take advantage of coming out and joining us in that. Um, and it was also great to have the Kona ice truck there, which was a, a nice treat on a hot afternoon. Uh, the Faith Lane Zoom pajama party will be uh, taking place again this week. We had a wacky pajama uh, theme last week, and then this week it's going to be popcorn. And in your August kit, you'll find that there was a, a pack of popcorn, if you haven't eaten it already. But uh, if you haven't and you followed the instructions, let's pop that Thursday night at 7, jump on Zoom. We'll have a continuation of our crazy pajama party with Miss Angie for the Faith Lane kids. Um, also for Faith Lane families, uh, September's right around the corner, so let Miss Angie know if you want to have a September Faith at Home kit. Um, the kids have really been enjoying these. We've been enjoying seeing the pictures that you've been putting online of your kids doing these activities. But um, if you want one for September, please let Angie know on Facebook or, or give her a call or leave a message here at the office so that she can be sure to get that to you and get you included in that. Your kids will love it. Uh, it's a great way for them to spend some time and, and really uh, some plans for them to focus uh, and focus their thoughts on Christ. We, uh, that about wraps up. We also want to be praying, obviously, um, before we get out of here, we wanna be praying for those who are in the path of these hurricanes, uh, both Marco and Laura, that uh, are, seem, seem to be looming and heading towards us in, in the, the Gulf area. Um, certainly, they may not be as strong as some of the, the hurricanes we've seen in the past, but at the same time, there's gonna be a lot of rain and probably some issues with that. So let's be keeping the people in our prayers that are gonna be dealing with that and, and the after effects of all of that that's happening. Um, that wraps up our announcements for this morning. We're gonna go ahead and shift gears and start uh, winding into our, our worship period of time. We're gonna have uh, some singing that's gonna take place. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna lift God up with our voices. Uh, our brother DeWitt's gonna come and lead our minds here in a little bit in, in communion. We're gonna observe that together as a body. And then uh, Tim's gonna bring us a great message. And we're gonna take this time to just truly lift our Father up and appreciate all the things that he's done for us and all the blessings that we've had during even these seemingly dark times. So before, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and invite the, uh, the singing group to come on up, the praise and worship group. And uh, our brother Orlando is going to lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you so much for being able to give us another day, God, a day to come and glorify you. 
Father, we wake up each morning and we don't know what's in store for us, but we do know that with you, everything is possible. With you, we are protected. With you, we are in your care. And with you, we get to feel your love. So Father, I just pray that as we sit in our homes, as we're maybe listening to the service today, I just pray that we remember what it is that you do for us and how blessed we are to have you. I pray that we all realize those blessings and that we share them with others so that we may continue to grow your kingdom and glorify you in every possible way. We thank you so much for giving us this day, this morning, these freedoms to meet like this. Even if it's not together in a room with one another, we are together in spirit through you. And in all these things, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. Thank you, Orlando. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, church family out there. We are excited to be with you, wherever, wherever that is, wherever you are. Uh, we're excited to sing some songs with you. And I say with you because we don't want this to be a concert. We want you singing with us. And uh, in fact, should anything sound off or sound wrong with what we're singing, what that means is you're not singing loud enough wherever you are. So that just, just help us, please. Start with here I am to worship. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so high. Glorious in heaven above, humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I You're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me
To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the light gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender, to truly obey, that moment may enter the heavenly way. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. Great things He hath taught us, great things He and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth I heard an old, old story, how our Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath 
the cleansing blood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. I then obeyed his blessed commands and gained the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. So if you haven't had a chance to, um, this will be our song before the Lord's Supper today. Um, go ahead and while you're listening and singing along, you can go ahead and grab all the things that you need if you haven't done it already. And just get your minds in the right place for what it means for us to be taking this Lord's Supper every week. <clears throat> All who are thirsty, and all who are weak, just come to the fountain, and dip your heart in the stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. Bye. 
stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of His mercy. As deep cries out to deep, and we sing, Come, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Bay Area. It is a privilege to be before you this morning where we're going to remember and celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent from heaven by God in the form of man to reconcile man back to himself. Jesus lived as a man experiencing all the challenges that men experience on a daily basis, all without sinning. Jesus left us a perfect example to follow with the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was beaten shed his, and shared his blood for our transgressions, taking our sin upon himself, even though he was sinless. What a great God we serve. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but he willingly died. But that wasn't all. He arose on the, from the grave on the third day, overcoming death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your grace and your mercy, for loving us the way that you do while we we're still sinners. I pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus spent more time on earth with us, with friends, 
and eating with them before being escorted back to heaven to live with God. However, before leaving, Jesus left his followers with a mission. That is, to his to disciple the entire world. Jesus said to the 12 disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. And surely, I will be with you until the end of the age. These are our marching orders, brothers, brothers and sisters. Jesus said, go. It doesn't mean that we have to go, that everyone has to go around the world. It could be as close as next door, telling our neighbors the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ then teaching them to obey. Jesus said he would be with us when we did that. So don't be afraid. Jesus is looking for willing vessels. Will we be that, will we be that for him? So stay safe and well, Bay Area, as we await these two tropical storms. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to Oh, we're falling before your throne. 
Dave's not here, and um, he normally has those great back in faith lane songs that he does. Um, I'm doing the best that I can by pulling some out, some from my repertoire, and you know that was from doing a lot of the youth group songs. So this one's for the youth group guys, because I don't know if you guys have gotten a shot out really, and so you know this is for you guys, all right? Um, but it's for all people, you know, because it's all about Jesus anyway. So. Let's go ahead and sing this song, Fill My Cup. So fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When we, when we, when we've been there, when we've been there for a thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We know the days to sing God's praise. Then when we first began, so fill, so fill, so fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. So fill, so fill, so fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. So fill my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with love. So fill my cup and let it overflow, let it overflow with love. Amen. All right. Got another one for you guys. This is like one of those oldie but goodies youth camp songs. We haven't sung it in like probably ever because I just had to make this one and put it up there for um, a PowerPoint. So I hope everyone remembers it, but it's really good and it's really easy to sing along with. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. And I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And filled with the Holy Ghost, I am. And all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Oh, well, I went down. To the, to the river to pray. Well, I went down to the river to pray. Well, I went down to the river to pray. I felt so good that I stayed all day. And all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And that's not all. And that's not all. There's more besides. And that's not all, there's more besides, and that's not all, there's more besides. I've been to the river and I've been baptized, and all my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. And all my sins are washed away, I've been One more.
more song, and uh, we will turn it over to Tim for the lesson. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives and ever prays for me. I know eternal life he gives from sin and sorrow free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he gives. I know that my Redeemer lives and my Redeemer lives. He wills that I should only be in word and thought, in word and thought indeed. Then I, then I His holy face may see when from this earth life freed. I know my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know that my Redeemer lives and my Redeemer lives. I know, I know that unto sinful men His saving grace is this morning. Wherever you are, we're all together. So, uh, good to be worshiping together. Um, I'm not exactly sure how it is in your house, but in my home, my wife and I have a system for watching television together. And it's a system that actually consists of about three parts. First, I hold the remote. I always hold the remote. And that might just be a guy thing, but I am in charge of the television remote. Second, I choose what we watch. And the third part of our system is Martha complains about 
the things that I choose to watch. <laughs> and really for 35 years or so, that system has served us well. That's, that's really not exactly true. My wife is actually here today. Martha's here. And uh, she's, she's telling me why. She always tells me, why are you throw me under the bus like that? But I'm not throwing her under the bus because the truth is she doesn't watch a whole lot of television. She'll come in the room with me and I'll watch television, but she's usually reading or doing something else. But there are a few habits that I have while watching television that does kind of drive her crazy. One is... I flip through the channels during commercials. And really, doesn't everyone, or shouldn't everyone? I mean, if you're watching live TV, why would you watch a commercial? Well, I'll flip and find some other things to watch. I can watch two or three things, you know, in the same, at the same time and keep flipping around. She doesn't like that. And the other thing that drives her crazy is, if I ever see an old movie while I'm flipping through the channels, I'll stop. I love to stop and watch old movies. And I don't care where they are in the movie now. I'll start and watch for a little while. And she's like, you don't know what's going on. And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm getting it. You know, I'll figure it out. But there are some movies that when I stumble on them, I'll watch the rest of it. I'll never go back to what I was watching. There are some movies, if it's the beginning, middle, or end, and I stumble on them, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this. One of those movies, and those of you who know me know this already because I talk about this movie quite a bit, maybe my favorite movie of all time, and that is Casablanca. You know, the old movie Casablanca. When I stumble on it, I stop and watch. Casablanca is a love story. The movie's set at the outset of World War II. There's mystery, there's intrigue, there's murder. You know, Humphrey Bogart, he is as cool as the other side of the pillow. But ultimately, it's a love story. It's a love story that is filled with fantastic lines of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world. She walks into mine. It's such a great line. You know, lines like, if that plane leaves the ground and you're not with them, you're going to regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. We'll always have Paris. It is a movie that is so quotable. And one of the things that Martha, I think, secretly likes about me watching this old movie is I quote the movie along with it. She doesn't actually admit to liking that, but I think she sort of enjoys that. But one of the great quotes in this movie is, uh, Bogart's trying to decide if he's going to do the right thing by Ingrid Bergman. And it, he's in love with her, of course. But he turns to her and says, I'm no good at being noble. But it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. It's a great quote. But it's not true. It's just not true. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to get there because it's back in the Old Testament it's right after the book of Judges. It's that section of your Bible that's probably still stuck together. The pages are still stuck together because we don't read the book of Ruth very often, but we should. Several years ago, as we were going through the, the story, uh, through the, the, the Bible, we just brushed up against the book of Ruth. And at the time, I thought, man, we've got to come back to this. It is such a great story. And make no mistake, it is a love story. We're actually going to spend the next several weeks 
sort of unpacking the book of uh, Ruth. It's a great story. And it's a story that really is going to prove Humphrey Bogart wrong. Because we're going to find out that the problems of three people, three ordinary people, amount to much more than a hill of beans. In fact, the problems of these three people and how they're resolved are going to change the course of history. It's an extraordinary story about a couple of ordinary people, one being a woman by the name of Ruth. And you know, all classic stories, especially all classic love stories, occurred during the backdrop of a larger context. Now, one of the reasons that Casablanca is such a great movie, it's against the backdrop of the Germans in World War II. And the story of Ruth is no different. It is occurring against the backdrop of uh, a lot of tension, hardship, suffering. There are some really poor decisions going on in this story. And there's some great decisions that occur in this story as well. Take a look at just the first words in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. You know, we sort of blow right past that, don't we? In the days when the judges ruled. If anything, we will use that to mark a specific range of dates. But if you were a Hebrew, and you heard that phrase, in the days when the judges ruled, you would do more than use it to mark dates. That would remind you of a very dark, very troubled, very bloody time in the history of the Jewish people, in the days when the judges ruled. It was a dark time for the Israelites. They were constantly rebelling against God in the days when the judges ruled. Uh, they were under constant foreign oppression. There was blatant sin going on, um, rampant immorality. In fact, all you really have to do is go back to the last verse in the book, right before the book of Ruth, the book of Judges ends with this verse. In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Again, it's a really dark time for the Israelites. And in this really dark time, a love story breaks out. And it's a love story between a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. And you're probably expecting me to insert a mother-in-law joke right here, but I'm not going to do that. Because the kind of love that these two women share for each other is the kind of love that anyone would like to have. It's also a love story between a man and a woman, two people that could not be more different. He, the man, is older. He's very wealthy. He's a Jew. His name is Boaz. We'll meet him later on. She is much younger. She is very poor. She is very much not a Jew. Her name is Ruth. But maybe most of all, this is a love story between just some ordinary people and an extraordinary God. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front, as we read through this story, one thing that becomes evident right off the bat is that when you really, really love someone, it's going to come at a price. Real, true, genuine love always comes at a price. And there's a word that's going to show up in this story. If you're paying attention to our praise team, they kind of got us headed in that direction already this morning. But the word that comes up over and over again is the word redeemed. 
is actually going to be used 23 times in this short little four-chapter story, redeemed. And this story of Ruth, it actually points to the great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And it starts, this whole story starts with the hardships of a mother. Let's read the first couple of verses of the book of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they lived there about ten years, both Melon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Okay, a lot of context here, a lot of things to consider. This man by the name of Elimelech, he decides because of a famine, he's going to move his family. You know, the grass is greener somewhere else. And at the end of verse 2, we read that they went to Moab and lived there. I've got a map there to show you where Moab was in, in relation to Bethlehem. And again, as I read this, it doesn't mean very much to me. You know, we read this and say, okay, he, there was a famine, so he left. To a Hebrew, that phrase, they went to Moab and lived there, would have been hard to wrap your mind around. Wait a minute, they went where? They went to Moab. They did not go to Moab. They did. They did not move to Moab. Uh, an Israelite did not take his family and move to Moab. He did. That's what it says. He moved to Moab. Nobody in their right mind, no Israelite in their right mind, would move his family to Moab because Moab was the country of Israel's very worst enemy. It was Moab who sent for Balaam the prophet to, to, to send curses down on the Israelites as they came. It was the Moabites who sent their young women into the camp to seduce the Israelites that resulted in a plague that killed 28,000 Israelites. It was the Moabites under King Eglon who oppressed the Israelites for 18 years. Nobody would take their family and go live in Moab. But that's exactly what Elimelech does. And because of his decision, his wife, Naomi, is put in a position where she has absolutely no control. Now, personally, I think this was a really poor decision on Elimelech's part by taking his family to Moab. Not only were they leaving God's country, not only were they leaving God's people, they were leaving God's worship as well. Nobody in Moab is going to teach his sons about Jehovah. And nobody in Moab is going to uh, keep the Sabbath day. Nobody in Moab is going to celebrate the Passover. No one is going to honor the laws of the Lord. Because of this man's decision, his wife, as well as his sons, are sort of removed from their spiritual relationships. And it shows, by the way. We're told that both of their sons married Moabite women. Any Hebrew that was reading this story would quickly come to the conclusion that this was a family that was not living under the blessings of the Lord. And put yourself in Naomi's spot for just a minute. 
She is the victim of the bad decisions of someone else. She's the victim of the decisions of her husband. And sadly, that same scenario has been playing out for a long time, hadn't it? Even today, there are women who are the victims of poor decisions from other people. So Naomi finds herself in a foreign land. While there, her husband dies. While she's there, both of her sons die. It would appear that everything that could possibly go wrong for Naomi has gone wrong. But the hero of the story is about to show up. Take a look at verse 6. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of His people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Naomi makes the decision, I don't have to stay where I am. Naomi makes the decision, I can go home. And her two daughter-in-laws are with her. She actually suggests that they stay behind in Moab. One of her daughter-in-laws, Orpah, decides to stay, reluctantly, but she decides to stay. The other daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to go back to uh, Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi. But it's not a happy homecoming. It's a very, very sad homecoming. Naomi doesn't return to Bethlehem with cheer. She returns with tears. Skip down to verse 19 of chapter 1. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. I want you to realize that this is not some story long ago and far away. You know, in a lot of ways, this story of Ruth, this is my story. This is your story. In a lot of ways, this story of Ruth, it's our story. If you have ever been in a point in your life where you've stopped and wondered, where is God? If you've ever wondered, why is God so silent this is your story. If you've ever been in a point in your life where you had to decide if doing the right thing was the right thing to do, when the right thing was a very difficult thing to do, this is your story. If you've ever been through some really tough chapters in your life, and if you've ever wondered, am I ever going to see the other side? Is there ever going to be a happy chapter? Might there be a happy ending? This is your story. Because this is a story that really does say, with God, bitter can get better. When God is in the story, when God is part of the equation, bitter really can be better. Our sins, our problems, our struggles, our poor choices, those can't negate, those can't override the power and the love of God to redeem us. To, to give us a life of purpose. So, 
we're going to spend the next several weeks in the book of Ruth. And I'm really excited about it because it is such a fascinating story. And, and we're going to go back and, and we're, going to, we're going to look at it in pretty good detail. But before I finish this morning, I want to skip to the end of the story. And I know that doesn't make sense, and I know that we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But hey, it's a love story. And we all want to know how the love story ends, right? So let's skip to the end of the story. Look at Ruth chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. So Boaz, and again, we're going to get to know Boaz really well in the next couple of weeks. Don't worry if you don't know who Boaz is now. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, now Ruth has had the child, but the women of the town are celebrating with Naomi. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Verse 16. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. If you were a Hebrew, those last four words would send chills down your spine. The father of David. They sort of send chills down my spine. No story is an ordinary story when God is in the story. This, this story of Naomi and Ruth and, and Boaz is such a fascinating story. But make no mistake, the hero of the story is God. Absolutely. The hero to this story is God. Now, this is a story of an extraordinary God working in the lives of some pretty ordinary people. And it's interesting the book of Ruth. It's kind of like the book of Nehemiah. There are no miracles that take place in the story of Ruth. At least not such that supernatural things happen. But I'm telling you, you can't read this story without seeing God's hand at work. You just can't go through this narrative without seeing how God is arranging circumstances and, and, and putting people right where He wants them to be. You know, so many times we look for God in the spectacular. I heard someone say once that God is always at work, He's just not always loud. And I think Ruth is a good example of that. God is very much at work in the book of Ruth. He's just pretty quiet about it. But He's at work when He brings rain on the land and produces a harvest. And you see God at work when this woman, Ruth, starts gleaning in a field which just happens to be owned by the man she's eventually going to fall in love with. And you see God at work in marriage arrangements. And you see God at work when a barren woman gives birth to a child. And you see God at work when this grandmother gets to hold her grandson for the very first time. 
God works in these extraordinary ways in the lives of some pretty ordinary people. And for me, that's really encouraging. And the reason that's really encouraging is, if I can just be honest, I'm pretty sure I'm talking to a group of pretty ordinary people. You know, myself, you, us, oh, we're pretty ordinary. I think I'm about as ordinary and as average as a, as a person can be. Um, but again, this story proves Hope, uh, Humphrey Bogart wrong. Three people, three very ordinary people mean a great deal to God. And just because we're ordinary doesn't mean we're meaningless, not to God. The story of Ruth is, is a love story. God's the hero of the story. Even if you read through a bad chapter, and we will, God's still the hero of the story. Now maybe uh, you've been through some bad chapters in your life. You need to remember God's the hero. And an extraordinary God still does things in extraordinary ways in the lives of us ordinary people. I'm telling you, there are still... Obeds, there are still Jesses, there are still Davids yet to be born to people who are putting their trust in God. Here's a story by a, a doctor by the name of Bill Cook, and he talks about his early days as a resident, at, uh, a surgical resident in Memphis, Tennessee. And one morning he got a call to report to the operating room. And he goes, and there's a patient, and the patient's already there under anesthesia, and they're about to perform an appendectomy on this patient. And there's an older, very accomplished surgeon standing there. And this young doctor thinks, well, this is great. I'm going to get to witness an appendectomy up close and personal. This would be a great learning experience. And the veteran surgeon calls him over, and he says, Doctor, I want you to perform this appendectomy. And the young doctor responds by saying, I'm not ready. I don't think I'm going to be able to perform this surgery all by myself. And the older surgeon looked at him and said, Son, you need to realize something. There's absolutely nothing you can do that I can't fix. I wish some of you believed that about your God. I wish some of you believed that no matter how dark a chapter you're living through, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you have made, there's absolutely nothing that God can't fix. And no matter how dark a time you've, you've lived through, you've experienced, God can still provide a happy ending. Let me share one more story with you, a true story. A woman by the name of Georgine Johnson in Cleveland, Ohio, started running when she was 42 years old. Not a serious runner, just kind of a recreational runner. And she decided to enter her first race. She entered a 10K. A 10K is 6.2 miles. So she lines up the starting line, the, the, the gun went off, and she starts running. About four miles into her race, she realized that somehow she had gotten on the course with the marathon runners. A marathon is 26.2 miles. 
So now she's no longer running a 10K, now she's running a marathon. And she ran it. She finished the race. And, and she said later, as I was running, I started thinking, this is not the race I signed up for. This is not the race I trained for. This is not the race I wanted to be in. But for better or worse, this is the race I'm in. So I kept running. Some of you right now, some of you are in a race that you didn't sign up for, did you? Some of you are in a race that you didn't prepare for. Some of you are in a race that you didn't choose. And you're wondering, how in the world did I end up here? I hope you keep running. I hope you keep moving toward the blessings of God. So, let me wrap up this sermon with a question. Is God the hero of your story? Is God the hero of your story? And I'm not asking, is your story playing out exactly like you thought it would? That's not the question that I'm asking. I'm not asking, are you where you want to be in your story? That's not the question that I'm asking. I'm not asking, uh, would you change things about your story? That's not what I'm asking. My question is, is God the hero of your story? Because if God is the hero of your story, you're in the middle of a love story. And the final chapter has yet to be written. No matter where you are in your story, if you're listening to me, if you're watching me, if you're above ground, the final chapter of our story has yet to be written. This story of Ruth, it is a story of redemption. It is a story that bitter can be better if God is the hero of your story. When our story becomes His story, that's where the blessings flow. Listen, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks as we dig into this story, but this morning, listen, if you're realizing, man, I'm not in a place where I want to be, I hope that you'll run to the Lord. Maybe you need prayers of people who love you. Reach out to somebody. Um, maybe if you don't know who to reach out to, go to our website. There's a link you can click on and say, I need prayers. And in a very confidential way, there'll be some people who are praying for you. Maybe you just need to know more about the God that, uh, that we're going to meet here in the book of Ruth. We'd like to help you with that too. But for this morning, let's close with a prayer. Father, we thank you that you have invited ordinary people like us into a relationship with an extraordinary God like you. We're thankful for the redemption that we find in Christ Jesus. May we continually look to you to write a story that causes us to draw closer and closer to you, our God and our hero. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Praise team's going to come back up and have one last song, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much, Tim, for...
that message today. Um, it's a lot of things happening where we definitely need Jesus. We need God. And uh, to remember that he's the one that fills us up when we're empty is what is most important. So um, this song was picked with that thought in mind as well. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. I'd like to say, Lord, from the start, thank you for breaking through my heart. Thank you for tearing every chain apart. When I was lost, you made a way. You turned the darkest night to day. You are my joy, and Lord, I'd like to say. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you and nobody. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody but you. When I am weak, my Lord, you're strong, loving me even when I'm wrong. Lord, you are my salvation and my song. Every day I'll make a choice, just listening, following your voice. Be with you, I can't help but rejoice. For nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you and nobody. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you and nobody. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody, but 